Welcome, 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 my beautiful friends, back to another episode of the Climbing with Coach Kaya podcast. I am so stinking grateful that you are here. I first met today's guest a couple months ago, actually, in small town Kansas, neither of which we are from Kansas, but as total strangers, I had the privilege of being this woman's roommate at the Cultivating Courage Conference. I told her when we were chatting that it felt like it was meant to be that we roomed together because we had some of the most beautiful conversations that truly filled my soul, and I knew that I had to bring her on the show to introduce her to you. Leanna Tankersley is a mom of three, a six-time author, and a writing teacher. Her work has been featured on outlets such as the Huffington Post, CNN.com, and Publishers Weekly. She's also the co-founder of the membership community, The Finding You Project, which helps women of any life stage who feel like they've lost themselves after a life detour. She lives in central Virginia in the foothills of the Blue Ridge Mountains, and I cannot wait for you to meet her. Hello there, beautiful friend. I'm your host, Kaya, a cattle rancher turned accidental life coach after embarking on my own health journey, losing over 100 pounds, but most importantly, rebuilding my relationship with myself. Now I am more on fire than ever to empower others to create a healthy life that they love from the inside out by sharing the tools, tips, and strategies that I've learned and continue to learn along the way. Mindset, health, body image, self-love, entrepreneurship, and more. We're here to chat about climbing the mountains of life all while finding joy in the journey. Welcome to the Climbing with Coach Kaya podcast. Now, let's get climbing. Welcome to the show, Leanna. Thanks for having me, Kaya. It was kind of like a, I don't know, a, a flash of lightning that we that our paths intersected, right? I totally agree because we're both, and correct me if I'm wrong, you're originally from California, right? Yes, San Diego, Southern California. Yeah. Like what are the odds that these two California girls get randomly assigned roommates? I mean, I'm assuming it's random. Maybe maybe Whitney had this in her plan all yeah, along for us Maybe to she did. But when we were you know, getting ready for the day and coming back and like decompressing at night, I was just like, man, I am so stinking glad that this mm. is my roommate. We just, we really connected in such a beautiful, beautiful way. We did. We had good conversations about everything, work, life, traveling, all of it. So I am, yes. I am very grateful too. And I'm, and I'm really excited to be here. So thanks for having me. Well, I'm so excited to have you here on the show. I felt like, you know what? I am not the only one that needs Leanna's goodness in my life. We need to, we need to get her on the show. So thank you for being here. And I'd love mm-hmm. before we get any deeper, I'd kind of love for you to talk about your story. You know, you have quite the resume of accomplishments as we've already mm-hmm. heard in your bio, but I'd love to share who Leanna was before she became an author and a teacher. What's your origin story, if you will? Ooh, I love this. Well, as we said, I, I grew up in Southern California and it's funny now that I live in Central Virginia, I think what's interesting, I love growing up in California, but my soul loves the four seasons. And um, so it's it's funny. I think back now and I think I, I lived so many years without the beauty of four distinct seasons and I love it now. So I grew up in San Diego, which is gorgeous weather, but it's one note and maybe a little less soulful than the beauty of all the changing, you know, uh, fall, winter, spring, summer. I grew up as an athlete, and I think that that is a really formative part of who I am even to this day. I played volleyball growing up, played volleyball in college, but I was always, I have to say, I was always into words. My mom was a high school Mm -hmm. English teacher, and um, I was just surrounded by beautiful words, poetry. Even to this day, my mom will send me little bits of lines of poetry over text. 
Um, I was surrounded by beautiful classic books and a love and an appreciation for good stories of all kinds, of all kinds. And so I was raised in a faith-based household. And so there was a lot of stories from faith that um, surrounded me as I grew up. And um, yeah, we were just, we were a sports family that had a deep soul <laughs> and loved words and stories. And I think that that has create that is a really good way of describing who I am because I'm a funny mashup of like athlete and poet, you know, mm. and like even now I'm, I'm 47 now. And when I was 46, I started jujitsu, which you and I talked about briefly. So and- freaking cool. <laughs> because my daughter, my young daughters do jujitsu. And so here I am like immersed in writing and words and teaching writing and coaching writing and working with women and their stories. And then I'm like on the mat, you know, getting thrown or throwing somebody. And that really is, I think, who I am. You know, I love being Mm. strong in my body. I love being competitive. I love, I think sports is a way that women find themselves. Mm, even even that. just moving their bodies, you know, if any in any way is a way that women can find themselves. And I also have found myself so much in the words of others and in and in writing my own words. So yeah, that's a little bit about my origin story. Well, I I think that that is a beautiful foundation. And I I was laughing at you. You were talking about, you know, the moving in whatever way. I'm like, yeah, Leanna's doing jujitsu. I'm twerking in my kitchen. We all have our different forms of movement, you <laughs> exactly. know? Different. You different know what? No judgment. Yes. Like all of it, all of it counts. What were you talking to me about, Kaya? Joyful movement? Is that your, Joyful is that your term? Joyful movement. Yes. Joyful movement. I've thought about that so many times since because it all counts. And I, the older I get, the less interested I am in some kind of plan or program because it's so mm. hard to stick to. You know, yeah. find something you love. Because for me, movement now is about mental health more than it is oh, about anything yes, and strength for that. longevity. You know, it's not, I mean, yeah, I want to look good or feel good or whatever, but it just, it helps my mental health so mm. much if I'll move and I'll move in a way that brings me joy. And so mm. I so resonate. I so resonate with that. So yeah, yes. twerking in the kitchen counts. <laughs> Just so everyone has that lovely visual, you're welcome. Um, This is backtracking a little bit, but I also wanted to comment on the California transplanted to Virginia because I had talked to you about how I lived in Kentucky for a few years and my Mm -hmm. husband is from Kentucky and um, I brought him here to the central coast of California and I remind him regularly, Leanna, that I could have dragged him to a lot worse places. You sure could have. (laughs) But he... And yeah. and I and I too, but him especially, he desperately misses the four seasons. Yeah. He's like, you know, yeah. yes, Kaya, sunny and seventy five is great, but he he describes our weather here in California as ice cream weather, and he <laughs> says ice cream is delicious. But if you fed me ice cream every single day, I probably wouldn't get that excited about ice cream. He's like, sunny and seventy five is amazing, but if it's sunny and seventy five every single day, like he kind of gets sick of it, and I. Totally get that. Granted, this year he's finally getting the rain. He's been praying. The rain, for all you guys have, yeah, yeah, oh. so much rain. I know, I know. So so wild. No, I I think that's a great metaphor. I didn't even know I was missing it until I experienced mm, it, and then I was right? like, oh, this this is what I needed. But it's the mel- I, I have a little melancholy in me, and so mm-hmm. that change is very resonant for me. And even mm-hmm. like the darker days and more rain and cold yeah. and and snuggling up inside. So I feel like it probably inspires your writing. Yeah, like the it does. Seasons. It does. And, you know, I remember, like, for example, I remember 
you know, it was March, 2020. And, um, we, everyone will forever remember March, 2020, because everything that was on our calendars, all of a sudden it was like every email coming in and you probably experienced this too. I had, I was speaking at retreats and at conferences and I was getting ready to get on a flight. And it was like every email that came in was no canceled, canceled, Mm -hmm. canceled. And I remember I set up an office in my bedroom and it has windows that face out to the woods behind my house. And it was so crazy how it was like everything is shutting down. And I would look out above the top of my laptop out to the woods and there's buds on the trees. And it's Mm. like, it's like, yes, there's a certain part of our lives that is dying, you know, and coming and, and closing down. But like, there's a beautiful line from Pablo Neruda, the poet, and he says, you can cut all the flowers, but you cannot keep spring from coming. Mm. And I think I just got the chills. I think that's part of it for me. And this is really part of my own story too, is that, you know, we can get a lot of no's, we can get a lot of cancellations, life can be shutting down, but there's this resilience to the way that the universe works on our behalf that is really wild. And I just remember that picture of like, okay, this is going to be a hard year financially. I mean, those are some of my first thoughts, right? Like, okay, all of this is going to change, but look at like the trees are still budding. Like life still exists beyond Mm. anything that's happening right now. And I needed that. I, and I have need, I needed that before and I needed it since, you know, as we get into my story, your listeners will understand why, but you know, sometimes we need that reminder and the seasons do that for us. They remind us that, nothing is permanent. Like even the hardest day, it's going to change. And sometimes Mm. when it's 75, every single day, you forget that you think it's always going to feel this way, you know, and I've needed to know that things won't always feel the way they do Mm. right now. Mm. And so I love that. Gosh, you are just so good with your words. I feel like every conversation I have, I'm like, I need to be writing all of this down. (laughs) Um, But I want to, I want to get into it. You know, Mm -hmm. I feel as though the hard things that we go through are the things that we end up teaching and empowering other people Mm. with. And they're usually born of some really, really hard things. Yeah. And I know that the work you do now is changing lives in a big way, but a lot of the work you do now was born of some really hard things that you went through. Would you mind kind of setting the stage with where maybe in your life things shifted for you in a big way? Yeah. So, um, After college and graduate school, I moved back to San Diego and I got swept off my feet by this Navy SEAL in San Diego. And we had a whirlwind romance and got married. And we were married for 15 years and had three beautiful kids and lived in the Middle East. My youngest was born in the Middle East and just had this grand adventure of a marriage. And also the war in Iraq started and went on through that time. And we experienced a lot of loss and a lot of trauma. And in 2017, my then husband came home from a year-long deployment and told me that we were going to be getting divorced. Mm -hmm. And certainly our marriage had had not been easy, but it was very unexpected. And we had three little kids and it was, talk about a detour, a derailment, a, Mm -hmm. um, you know, just the lights went out. And I'm sure there's, there are listeners who, you know, the lights went out in your life and and you didn't get consulted. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. That's the hardest part is like, sometimes these things happen and nobody asked our permission. No one said, Hey, would it be okay if I totally turned your life upside down? And that's what happened. And five years later, six years later, we have, we are, we have rebuilt and we're on the other side of that. 
but it was a devastation. It was just a devastation. And that's what really prompted me moving from Southern California to Central Virginia to be closer to family. My kid's dad has since moved out this way too. And we are putting the pieces back together, co-parenting and all of that. But yeah, I in the midst of all this, to your point, Kai, I found this line from one of my very favorite spiritual writers, Barbara Brown Taylor. And she said, new life starts in the dark, whether it's the seed in the ground, a baby in the womb, or Jesus in the tomb, new life starts in the dark. And I just mm. was like, <laughs> you know, when you're in the dark, you need an anchor of hope to hold on to. And, and I want to just share that too, because I know for a fact, there's someone listening who the lights got turned off in their life for some reason or another, you know, maybe it was mm-hmm. a divorce, maybe it was a miscarriage, maybe it was a financial downturn. You know, there's a lot of reasons why things go dark. And I have found in my own life that the darkness is where the new life starts taking shape. That doesn't make it easy. That doesn't make it fun. That doesn't make it like, you know, it's not exciting. It's not a sexy message. You know, Like this isn't the message that we want. It's not sexy. But I think uh, this is really where a lot of life is lived. You know, like, man, I just don't exactly know what to do next. And I've just seen how those sprigs of new life. And what I mean by that that's a nice thing to say, right? But mm-hmm. what I mean by that is when you get the crap whacked out of you and you are as reduced as you've ever been, and then you realize there's still a you, there's still a Liana, there's still a Kaya down in there that is still looking for some kind of light that wants to rise, that wants to find a way to move forward. And when you start getting in touch with that energy, that strength, that resilience, and you say, okay, what support do I need to move forward? Um, what truths do I need to remember about myself? You start putting one foot in front of the other. It's mm. clumsy. It's not a perfect line. And you realize, man, maybe the person I've been waiting for all along was me. Mm. <laughs> you know. Oh. So yeah, I, that's, that's sort of been the most recent years of my life. My Dear, dear friend, Elaine, who's a marriage and family therapist. She was my neighbor down the street one mile. One year after I went through my divorce, she very unexpectedly lost her husband of 30 years of marriage. Mm. And we were both lost. We were just lost. And I've heard so many women. I'm sure you have too, Kai. Like, I just feel like I've lost myself, you know? And that's when we started the Finding You Project because we were just like, we're lost so many women around us are going through things that are causing them to feel lost. What if we started figuring out how we could all put one foot in front of the other together? And that has also been a beautiful new life that has emerged mm. from this dark season as well. But I want to report that we are on our feet and doing well, and there's life after these derailments. Mm. You know, Liana, I have thought about your talk so much. You shared mm-hmm. this this story, this analogy in your talk at the Cultivating Courage Conference. And that concept of new life begins in the dark is just – doesn't make necessarily make the darkness not as dark, but sure. I feel like even just that wisdom gives a little sense of hope, like lighting a little candle in the corner of a dark room of knowing that maybe something that's actually meant for me is going to come of this really dark season, even though I didn't ask for it, even though I didn't want it. And I know yeah. to your point that there are so many people listening here that maybe have been in that dark season or are going through that darkness right now. And I I love that you've created this community and this space for women that are going through that hard thing too. And I know this is maybe a 
a simple question for a very hard concept, but when we're in that hard place, when we feel so lost, how do we begin again? Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting that you use that phrase begin again, because you know, I love it. The the monk St. Benedict from like 500 AD um, has that line, always we begin again. And I've held on to that so much um, in my life before divorce even like, oh yeah, that's how we that is how we move forward. We begin again. One thing I want to say, because I think this is a really important question, is that the etymology of the word begin means to open or to cut open. And so a lot of times when we're in the dark, what it requires for us to begin again is to open up in a way we never have before. And that's mm-hmm. why it's uncomfortable. Like, okay, here I am, and I'm going to need to be open to something, to someone, to some practice, to some way that I never have before because I've never been in this situation before. Mm -hmm. So that means potentially reaching out to a therapist. Like, what do I, that's the first question. What do I need to be open to right now? Like, what is the invitation? And a lot of times the invitation is to support because when you're in the dark, like the longer you stay there alone, it's like the bigger the boogeyman gets right? The bigger the mm-hmm. shame gets, the more we start to like, if you would have just seen this coming, Leanna, you could have avoided it for yourself. Mm. If you would have just like, I remember my friend Elaine after her husband died, she would wake up at night and she'd send me these messages and say, I kept the house too hot. I always wanted mm. the house hot. Ken always wanted the house cold and I kept the house too hot. And that's what gave him cancer. And it's like, oh. we all can look at that and say, that's grief talking. That's mm-hmm. trauma talking, right? But when you are in that and you're the, you're believing those messages, it's all you can believe, you know? Mm-hmm. And so we need to interrupt the darkness, but the way we do that is by being open to something. And so, yeah, I think the number one thing is I need to be open to support in a way I never have before. It's not comfortable to be in need. Mm-hmm. I want to be the person who has all the answers. I don't know right. about you. I don't want to be the person with all the questions, but that's what the darkness is. It uh, creates disorientation for us. And so I, I think, yeah, it's, it's what kind of support do I need? Do you, do you need a financial advisor? Do you need a friend? Do you need a, a therapist? Do you need a spiritual director? Do you need a community of women to come around you and say, yeah, me too. Elaine and I did a retreat in October in Orcas Island, Washington, Nine of the 14 women that were there were in some stage of divorce. Mm. Do you know how healing it is to sit in a circle of women who are like their life is as they saw it over and for the woman next to them to hold their hand and say, I totally get it. You don't have to. I mean, I get it. We have ways that we can prolong our time in the darkness and we have ways that will help us get up and keep moving. And I think support Mm. is one of those first steps. Do you agree? Do you agree with that? Yes, 100%. And I think that, like you said, it's the hardest thing. It's like, no, don't tell me that's the first step. That's not what I want to do. We resist it so much. And I feel like I've shared this in a a previous episode. I, I did an episode called The Moldy Shame Monster. And I talk about how fear and shame are like this mold growing in the back of a dark closet. And we don't want people to know that we have mold in our closet. So we keep the door closed tight. But when we keep the door closed mm. tight, that mold begins to fester and grow. It breeds it. Over, yes. It breeds the mold. Yes. And eventually it overtakes the closet and eventually it takes it overtakes our whole house. When what we really need to get rid of that mold, that fear, that shame is open up the door, bring in yeah. the air, let in the air, let in the light. That's what takes its power away. Yeah. But 
it takes so much courage, I think, to get to that point of being able to open up to that, to say, hey, here's what I'm dealing with, or hey, I need help, when that is the only way to get rid of it. Yeah, I think this is probably where so many women are stuck because opening up that door, opening up that window, letting the light in is so vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And I think for some of us too, we need to, this is a huge theme of mine right now because it's work I've had to personally do. And that is to forgive ourselves. Like I can't tell you how many things, especially we as women are holding on to keeping ourselves like hostage on this big hook of contempt saying, if you would have only, why didn't you, if you were like blank over there, this would have never happened to you. And it's a way that we just keep that door sealed and it's a closed loop, like you're saying. And all it does is just fester and fester and fester. And somehow there's a lot of power. So this is another thing I'd say is there's a lot of power in saying, I need to forgive myself for some things. Maybe I overlooked things in my marriage that I shouldn't have. Maybe I kept the house one degree too high. You know, I don't know what it is, right? Maybe I totally self-sabotaged for like five years. Maybe I set goals for myself and I didn't follow through on them. Maybe I have, I, I haven't really been committed to the personal growth that I wanted to. Okay. Okay. All right. Great. Great. Welcome to the party, right? Welcome to the party. Now, if you can look back and I've even done this in my life a couple of times, Kyle, write myself a letter of amends. Like I'm making amends with you, Leanna. Like we're, we are not going to be in an adversarial relationship anymore. It's not doing anyone any good. Sit down and write yourself that letter of forgiveness and say, you know, I'm sorry for, I'm not going to do this anymore. Here's what I want for us. And by us, I mean me and me. Do you know what I mean? Like my relationship with me. and. That is another way that I think we begin to say, I'm going to open the door. I'm going to let the light in. Because as long as that door is closed, we cannot get the support we need. We're just too much. Dr. Seuss, sorry, I keep quoting weird quotes, but Dr. Seuss has this awesome like couplet in, oh, the places will go. The children's book, oh, the places will go. And he said, sometimes you'll play lonely games too, games you can't win because you'll play against you. And I'm like, yeah, what woman can't relate to that? Sometimes you'll play lonely games too, games you can't win because you'll play against you. Oof, that's good. Yeah, I think that's another, you know, part of we can prolong our own time in the darkness if we want to just sit and badger ourselves for how we got there, mm-hmm. or we can get some help and start climbing forward. Mm. So good. So, so good. You know, this is kind of a, a side tangent here, but it came up for me when you were talking about women who feel like they've lost themselves. And I know through your story, a lot of that was lost, losing yourself in your divorce. And you work with a lot of women that are in that season. I, I'm i curious, do you think it's possible? And I, and I asked this question coming off of coaching at a women's retreat where every single woman besides me and our photographer was a mom of young mm-hmm. kids. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to ask you your thoughts about what happens when we lose ourselves in a good season, in a good but challenging season, whether that's motherhood or maybe maybe it's even like a a big career shift and a new job or something that you lose yourself in. What happens when we lose ourselves in a season that's supposed to be really good? Yeah, that's a great question. And you even 
I have been in situations and maybe you can relate to this, like when you first meet someone that you're falling in love with, or you're like in the newlyweds, not everyone experiences this, but some like the newlywed bliss. And it's like the rest of your life just evaporates, right? Mm -hmm. I think it's a bit of a cautionary tale because I think we're human and our emotions are worth honoring. But I also think that it's really hard to completely let go of yourself and your identity and then it just magically come back. Mm, and so, mm-hmm. and I see this so much in young moms that they equate self-sacrifice with self-abandonment. Mm. And, you know, self-sacrifice is so encouraged and applauded in our society for women that we hear that and we think, oh, great. So if I have no needs at all, then I'm really winning. Mm. And I think that would be my caution with any of these, like falling into and losing yourself in a good thing, make sure you're not self-abandoning, which means I no longer have any needs at all ever, that all of my energy, time, resources go to this job or go to this baby or go to this relationship. And I I am no longer individuated from any of this. I find that to Mm -hmm. be something we have to watch for. And it's so easy as women, we just want to merge Mm-hmm. Most of us, not all of us, but a lot of us, we just want to merge because then we feel like we have purpose and we feel like we have an identity. But I'll tell you that will come back to you and bite you <laughs> because there'll be, there will be a time for most of us where that we become resentful of that. Yeah. Hey there. Have you ever thought about having your very own business or services talked about right here on the Climbing with Coach Kaya podcast? Well, it is your lucky day, my friends. I am officially opening up opportunities to be a sponsor to have your very own 30 or 60 second ad right here within the show. To learn more about how you can partner with me as a podcast sponsor, or maybe even through Instagram, Facebook, or email marketing, visit coachkaya.com forward slash partner to learn more. I would love to work with you. I wanted to ask you, you know, in talking about this, I love the activity of writing a letter to yourself of forgiveness, of learning how to forgive yourself. I'm curious what your thoughts are in when we, let's say we spend a long season of abandoning ourselves. Let's say we spend a long season of keeping ourselves hostage in the dark. Let's say we spend a long season of holding grudges against ourselves. On the other side of that, how do we learn to trust ourselves again? Yeah, it's so good. And this is something we're actually spending the whole year in the Finding You Project right now. In our membership community, every single month we do a like a 90-minute live teaching. And this is our overarching theme for the whole year. And -hmm. we're breaking it down into a lot of different nuances, including forgiving ourselves and that sort of thing. So it's a really important question because for many of us, I think we feel like we have outsourced our knowing in our lives to all the people that should know, right? Maybe that was a partner. Maybe that was a really overbearing parent. And yeah, we have abandoned ourselves or we found ourselves in a situation that was like, man, I just, I I so failed, you know, I'm Mm -hmm. disqualified. And so learning to trust ourselves again, we, we need that because we can continue to outsource our intuition, our knowing, our, our gut, but again, that's just perpetual self-abandonment. So I think mm. um, this is this is such a long answer and I want to make it brief, Kai, because there's so much to it. But first of all, I think identifying, do I trust myself anymore? 
what has eroded the trust with myself? What was it? Was it a decision? Was it something I did do? I didn't do? Was it something that was done to me that I'm taking too much responsibility for? What eroded the trust in the first place? Am I being loyal to a narrative that was given to me by my family of origin, by people who weren't well in the first place, who didn't know me, and they gave me this narrative about myself? You're never going to really be able to do anything really that well. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be loyal to that stinking narrative, Mm. you know? So it's starting to unearth what narratives we're we're just lockstep in line with that have nothing to do with reality. Um, Mm -hmm. It's what has eroded the trust that where did it go? Because, you know, when we're kids, when we're kids, we're like, I can I can jump up and touch that. Watch me. I can color a beautiful picture. Watch me. I can sing a gourd. Like we tr- we have a sense of like ourself and confidence in ourselves and what we can do. So where did that go and when? Mm-hmm. And then I think the other thing I would say is this idea of an empathetic other. And I'll just keep coming back to this 1,000 times because I just see it. Women cannot do this kind of work in isolation. You need other people who are empathetic Mm. with what you're going through and are doing this similar kind of work to say, yeah, this is what it's been like for me. And this is how I've begun to repair trust with myself too. It's also Mm. that whole act of forgiving ourselves. And then it's saying, okay, how do I create boundaries with toxic people? How do mm-hmm. I begin to kind of look and find my own voice? How these are all the steps. And it's a it's a whole process, but it's also the again, it's something that needs to be done, I think, in the presence of other women who are doing similar work. Because like, remember at Cultivating Courage at the conference, it's like it's a double shot. You're not only getting this truth and encouragement from the stage, mm-hmm. you have the women around you who are like, yes, you know, let's mm-hmm. go. So, oh, I does that make totally sense? Agree. Does that answer? Yes. Does that oh answer my gosh, yes. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. And I love the first thing you said. And it's such a hard question because I, I think most people who have never done any of this work have never asked themselves or even thought about it that way. What narrative am I loyal to? Yeah. What narrative am I loyal to? And I think, yeah. you know, the first the first step in healing is awareness of what's even going on. And I think there's there's so much to uncover there. And while I do, I do think that we can do so much introspective work and digging down deep and asking ourselves the questions with a journal, but I agree with you. I think that this work is something that needs to be done in the community because there's something about having someone else raise their hand and say me too, that makes you feel like, oh my gosh, wait, maybe I'm not broken or wrong. Maybe I'm a human. Yeah. And that in itself is so healing. It's huge. And I, I remember right after my divorce, to your point, thinking like, this is the word that came to mind. I'm disqualified. I'm mm. disqualified. You know, and the more that I've gotten into rooms with women who are going through something similar, I realize actually I'm uniquely qualified. <laughs> I'm uniquely qualified yeah. to have some of these conversations that I'm having because I've been mm. through it. You know, and how many of us just assume like, I'm just, I'm disqualified. I'm on the shelf. And so Mm. it is key. It's so key. And, you know, again, I have a friend who's in her sixties and she went home recently and spent some time with her mom who's and her mom's in her eighties. And her mom wanted to talk to her the whole time about her, her own, the mother's body at 80 Mm -hmm. and the daughter's body at 60. Mm-hmm. And then wanted to talk about what food was in the deep freezer and what food mm-hmm. was in the refrigerator and what they were eating for every meal and why. And my friend was just like, I am 63 
years old. My mom is 86 years old and we are still talking about what's in the freezer, what size underwear we just bought and how much we weigh. Mm. And she's like, I have been loyal to that narrative most Mm. of my adult life, that my body was never going to be good enough, that it was not right. That, I mean, you know, Kyle, we've talked about this, like your own Mm -hmm. story, you know, and, and I'm looking at this woman and I'm just like, (laughs) she's like, I just don't have any more time. I cannot give any more time in my life to this narrative. And she's like, and I realize my mom is in her late eighties and she's, I, I was in town for two days and it's all she wanted to talk about. It still completely mm-hmm. controls her life. And it's like, when you look at it again, when you look at it in someone else's life, you're like, oh my gosh, come on. Mm-hmm. But we are all in service to some of these narratives that were handed 100%. to us. And it's just like, when are we going to stop? When mm. are we going to stop and say, I'm not going to spend my life because it's not going to end. And that person's needs, the person who has given us this narrative, they're not doing their work. That's the whole point. Right, right. And so there's nothing we're going to ever be able to do. No size we're going to be able to be. No meal we're going to meal plan we're going to be able to follow. Mm-hmm. No achievement we're going to be able to achieve that's going to fill the hole for them. Right. Nope. And so I don't know. I guess um, sometimes it's easier to look at other people's lives and realize that is just nuts. It's nuts. I don't want to live yeah. like that. But when when I heard that, like I, I'm being loyal to a narrative that is destroying mm-hmm. me. No. And maybe it's not even your narrative to begin with. It's someone else's narrative that you inherited. And I think so, so much of this work is so hard because a lot of what we're doing is breaking generational cycles of narratives. You know, talking about your friend and her mom, I was just with my grandma earlier this week, tomorrow, as at the date that we're recording this, I'm I'm seeing my my grandfather's memorial Mm -hmm. service. Mm -hmm. And this week with my grandma, I was putting together picture boards and pulled out this picture book. And these photos are from last year, the last time I think probably anybody interviewed my grandpa. We interviewed him for my Backroad Cowgirls project. Mm. And I cherish these videos and these photos so much. They're so special to me. And as I'm showing my grandma this picture book, and she's flipping through the photos, she says, gosh, I hate these photos of me. And I was like, grandma, why, why do you hate the photos of you? She said, I look like I'm 110 years old. Granted, she's 89, which really yeah. isn't that far off. But, yeah, right. but I'm like, right. you know, me and my dad mm. are like looking at her and thinking, gosh, this and, – and my grandma is still to this day. I love her to death. But she is still at 89, so entrenched in diet culture. She weighs herself yeah. every single morning and will obsess over gaining a pound. I hope when I'm 89 that I don't give a shit about the scale or anything about or how many wrinkles I have or how old I look. Like what a gift to age and being able to, I think for me, a big part of my healing journey and really learning how to release the narrative that I was loyal to for most of my young adult life and childhood is understanding this is not my narrative and how can I have compassionate curiosity for why it is hers and why it was placed on me. She grew up in a different time, in a different place. And while sure some of the comments she's made to me over the years has frustrated me, I also have so much compassion for the narrative that she was handed. But I also have to know that that no longer has to be mine. 
And that is how we break the cycle. And that is hard work. And sometimes it's work I feel like I have to choose every single day to release. Yeah. yeah. I think that's 100% true because that voice, it's, it's, it's so good, that distinction. It's not mine. It's someone else's and it was handed to me and it now has power over me. So I have to actively break that power. And I think it is sometimes every day. For some of us, maybe it's every hour. And that mm-hmm. I, I think we should normalize that, like, yeah. you know, that it sneaks up on you. And I, I heard someone say once, like, ask yourself, whose voice is that? It's mm-hmm. not your own. It's someone who, where, who told you that? Where yeah. did they get that? And yeah, I think that is just compassionate curiosity about where that message came from. And as I said before, and as you're saying, it's from someone who maybe they haven't done their work. They're not doing particularly well. And it's a projection of their own issues onto you. And yet then we give, we just inject all kinds of power into that. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think we go wrong is we like co-sign with it. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I need to live like that too. And I hope so too. I hope when you're 89, Kaya, the scale isn't even, you've forgotten that it even exists, right? Right. I hope I'm still twerking in my kitchen. Exactly. Yeah, you're teaching your great granddaughters how to twerk in the kitchen. Oh my gosh. You you know, that's a good visual. I love that visual. Yeah. (laughs) Let's all put on some hot pink lipstick and go twerk in the kitchen with great grandma Kaya. That is so going to be me. Ooh, we're manifesting that, Leanna. I I love that. You know, but this is also to this point, I want to just stop and say, like, sometimes it's not just don't think about that, don't think about that, but instead to say, well, who do I want to be at 89? Mm. I want to be the grandma in the kitchen who's like got 75 pieces of turquoise jewelry and a hot pink lip. And like, maybe I have like tattoos that I got at 84 because, you know, I still (laughs) wanted to get tattoos and I'm in like my lot, my, my super flowy caftan. And, you know, like, who do I want to be at that point? And what, what do I want to be surrounded by at that point? Mm. And let's move in that direction and not just Mm -hmm. like no scale, no scale, Mm -hmm. no scale. Let's move toward joy. And like a vision of what we want it to be. I love that. And as you're painting that picture, I just felt my face smile so big. (laughs) And that's a sign, right? Because I think when we're trying to resist the thing, we're so obsessing over the thing. So instead, ask yourself, what would bring you joy? What what narrative would bring you joy? And lean into that instead of avoiding the old one, which is still kind of giving it power in a way. I was at a, um, I was co-leading a retreat in Portland, Oregon a couple weekends ago. And we were talking about, we began the retreat talking about self-abandonment, right? Which is when you give the scale, all the power in your life, you're, mm-hmm. ban- you're self-abandoning. But then we didn't want to leave the women there because that's exactly right. Like you can just sit there and say, don't self-abandon, don't self-abandon, don't, mm-hmm. but wh- what do we, what's the vision? And so this yeah. whole second half of the retreat, we moved into what it would be like to be self-possessed. Like what is a Mm. self-possessed woman? And we did a ton of brainstorming around each of their stories. What would it mean for you, you individually to be self-possessed as a woman? Mm -hmm. So you possess your own soul, another Mm. person, another narrative, a cultural trope does not possess you. You Mm. possess you. And man, talk about the most freaking inspiring. And then we, of course we had them make like vision board collages, like, yes. like put some visuals and colors and textures around who this woman is. And then they all got to share them. I, there was not a dry eye Kaya because we need mm. this part of it too. Not just how to cope and how to like reject what isn't working for us, but how to embrace who it is and we want to be and where we want to go. And that's a beautiful part of this process too. 
Mm, I love that so much. Oh, <laughs> I want to be in that room. That sounds amazing. <laughs> it was. Um, it was. Leanna, I want to ask you, this is something I ask every guest that's on the podcast. The yeah. podcast is called Climbing with Coach Kaya, and it's metaphor for the mountains and mountain ranges that we climb. And I'm curious for you right now in this season of your life, mm. what is a mountain that you're currently climbing in your life or your career? That's so good. Well, you know, what's interesting is uh, on Tuesdays and today is Friday. So four days ago, I climbed Sharp Top, which is one of the higher peaks in uh, central Virginia where I am. It's mm-hmm. not like high, 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 but it's high mm-hmm. and my my calves can still feel it. So, um, <laughs> and I was really proud of myself. And I think it's good for us to get out and actually do some physical climbing because it reminds us of our strength. It reminds us that mm-hmm. we can keep stepping and keep going. And it was such an empowering experience. But to answer your question more directly, right now I am deciding if I might want to think about considering dipping my toe in (laughs) the dating pool. Mm. And um, there is so much excitement and energy around that for me and possibility and hope. And it's so scary. Mm. It's so scary. And it's so vulnerable to be open to another Mm. person, another um, relationship, another whole world. And to invite someone else into my whole world after, after such a hard loss, you know, and Mm. to trust love again and to trust myself. Remember we were talking about that, Kaya, this is how that all came up for me. Like, could I go into another relationship and actually trust myself that if it's not good, I can get out. If it is good, Mm. I could lean in and, Mm -hmm. um, my hands are sweating talking about it. Does that tell you anything? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank you. So, Thank you for Yeah, that's a that. mountain I'm climbing because it is, it's again, it's it's not just the vulnerability of it. It's asking myself every day, am I someone I can trust in a romantic mm. relationship? And yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm learning. I'm learning that I am, but it, it's mm. baby steps. So good. You know, the next question I ask is, I believe wholeheartedly because I was someone that thought I had to wait until I reached the top of the mountain to find joy Hmm. and feel happy and proud and all the good things I wanted. And I've learned since then that we have to choose to find joy in the journey of the climb. So in that climb of thinking about maybe possibly one day dipping (laughs) your toe back in the dating pool, where is the place you're finding joy in that journey currently? Yeah. Oh, I love that. I was thinking as you were talking about that, that I have two 14-year-olds and an 11-year-old in my house, and it's hard to not go through the day without something hilariously ridiculous happening in my home. Talk about twerking in the kitchen or like everybody's (laughs) breaking out into the Sound of Music soundtrack. Mm -hmm. So I think where I'm finding joy in the journey along the way is to remember that life doesn't start when I get into a new relationship or that I'm not worthy once it happens or that Mm -hmm. my life isn't going to be full or arrive until then. That's, that's icing on the cake. And I'm excited for that possibility, but Mm -hmm. my life is, I hope this doesn't sound like a terrible cliche because I just feel like it's so true. Like my living room on a daily basis is so filled with joy and fun mm. and creativity. And yeah, frustra- like a really naughty dog and like an 11-year-old <laughs> that does talk back. I mean, she's a wild mm. savage. But um, And it's a mess. Like, my, like even right now, 
my shower won't drain. I had a bird in my house today and my vacuum isn't all, is all of a sudden not charging. And it's like, I just, I'm like, oh my, I want to freaking bang my head against the wall. But I don't know, these three little kids that are just like this, this the most wild gift, the most wild gift. Mm. That's where I'm finding joy along the way that life, life doesn't need to wait Mm. till I'm in this fabulously fulfilling relationship. Life is happening now. Joy is here now. Mm. I love that so much. So, so much. Leanna, every time I talk to you, it's just such a gift. And I'm already like, well, we need to schedule another podcast. Maybe not a podcast. Maybe just like a Zoom hangout call or I'll come visit in Virginia. A happy hour. Yes. A happy hour. I just need more of you in my life. Oh, and precious, um, I know that people are listening to this like on the edge of their seat of wherever they're sitting thinking more. I need more of this Aww. wisdom. And I know that there are some other incredible things and pieces of work you put together in ways that they can connect with you. Before we talk about all the things, I yeah. want to talk about your book because as you know, one of the mountains I'm climbing is the journey of writing my own book. And I am yes. very much at the base of that mountain. But I would love to hear more about, and I know you are the author of multiple books, but your most recent book, Hope Anyway, I'd love for you to mm-hmm. share a little bit more about that. Yeah, Hope Anyway came out last year, I believe. And it really is the story of what we're talking about, of how do you, because I think we intrinsically as human beings know that hope is important. Like, I don't think Mm -hmm. we want to go through our lives as cynics and like, Mm -hmm. oh, well, screw it. It doesn't matter anyway. And the people that we know that do, we're like, I don't want to live like that. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I, I knew that I needed hope in my life, but not this sort of like, I don't know, this kind of like, oh, I hope it snows on Christmas or, oh, I, I hope I get a cashmere sweater for my birthday or, oh, I hope it's 75 and sunny today. Like we need hope that's like gritty and resilient. And so I, I, I thought of this title, Hope Anyway. <laughs> How do you have hope anyway after the fricking bottom drops out? And so the book is about going through my divorce but it's what's underneath that narrative is because it's really for anyone who has gone through a loss or a derailment in their lives. How do we find hope anyway? How do we find our own strength and resilience even after, especially after going through a really hard time, really hard season? Mm, yeah. So good. So, so good. Yeah. Y'all, thank you. the book will be linked down below in the show notes. So make sure to grab yourself a copy. If you think Leanna speaking is magic, you should read her book. It's amazing. Um, Besides the book, Leanna, if people want to get in your orbit, learn more from you, all the things, where can they find you? You can find me on Instagram. My personal Instagram is Leanna Tankersley. And that's my personal website too, LeannaTankersley.com. You can learn more about my work there. And then also, I love that we got to talk a little bit about the Finding You Project, which is really my passion project right now. My friend Elaine and I are working with women over there. And I just feel like we're in the trenches with so many women who are doing this very work that we're talking about, Kaya. And so you can find us on Instagram at Finding You Project, or you can find us on our website, thefindingyouproject.com. We have a monthly membership that's 12 bucks, you guys. It's cheap, cheaper than therapy, I always say. <laughs> and, then, and then we have retreats, we have courses, and in fact, we just we just put one out recently called Lost in Motherhood. It's a five-module course, just like what we were talking about earlier about self-abandonment in motherhood at any stage of mothering. And that has been a really popular course so far. So we're excited about that. We're doing retreats. So yeah, the Finding You Project really has my heart right now because I feel like it's a way that I'm being able to be hands-on with women who really 
are doing that hard work of saying, I'm going to open up the closet and I'm going to let the shame see the light Mm. and I'm going to reach out for support. So I would love to see any of you guys at Leanna Tankersley, um, my Instagram or over at Finding You Project. Awesome. And all of those are linked down below in the show notes. You guys can easily click on them and find out more. If you resonated with Leanna, I just want to encourage you to reach out to maybe consider going to her retreat or signing up for a course. Maybe this is your first step in seeking that support that you need. And just remember, as Leanna shared with us, that new life begins in the dark and you don't have to do this journey alone. So Leanna, thank you for just being such a beautiful light and sharing your beautiful words with us. I am so, so grateful to have you in my life and for your willingness to share your heart with my community. Thank you, Kaya. It's been my honor. And I I love such a soulful conversation. I love it. Thank you. Mm. And thank you, sweet listener, for tuning into another episode of the Climbing with Coach Kaya podcast. I'll see you right back here. Same time, same place next week. Thank you so much for tuning into another episode of the Climbing with Coach Kaya podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please hit subscribe and leave me a review sharing what you loved most. Come hang out with me on Instagram and Facebook to keep the conversation going as we continue to find joy in the journey. Until next time, I am cheering for you, friend. Keep climbing and we'll chat soon.